0: Hi, it's Michael Shapiro, and welcome back to the Delacorte Review Podcast, where in each episode, we talk with the writers about the stories they needed to tell and all the things that went wrong on the way to telling them. So today, I'm going to be speaking with Juliana Hanley. And the thing that you need to know about Juliana is that she is not a journalist. And for many people listening to this podcast, they are journalists, so maybe a lot of them Want to be writers or they want to be journalists and they've never done this before. Well, this is a story about somebody who never really did this before. So, a lot of the stories we do, interestingly, are, uh, are kind of close to home um, in the sense that there's a lot of ex- exploration about the past and about the world in which people live. But Juliana's story takes her about as far away from here. Here being home, her home, as anything I think that we've published in a long time. In fact, this is a story that, well, I, can, it, Juliana, where did you go and who did you find?
1: I went to northern Norway and Sweden. Uh, it's kind of like the top elbow of Scandinavia, and it is the traditional homeland of indigenous peoples called Sami, and they call it Stop Me.
0: What possessed you to go there?
1: Well. I wanted to, I was on a Fulbright Fellowship. I wanted to look at the interactions between natural resource extraction and local peoples. Um, wait, so a second, before, before a, on,
0: wait a second, before you go on, hold on a second. When you say natural resource extraction, that's a, f- yeah. that's a term of art for mining, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, mining, oil, it, yeah, there's a couple different things that fit in there. Forestry also.
0: Okay. So... How did you come? How did how did it come to be that you chose this place to go to and these people to spend time with?
1: Yeah. So there's this kind of there's this trope, you know, the Arctic is opening. Um, There's like this idea of a rush north. There are all these natural resources that can be taken, Um, and that kind of feeds into this historical idea of the Arctic as this cold, empty place. And it's not. It's a place where people have lived for centuries, for thousands of years.
0: And, so who are the Sami people?
1: Yeah, um, they are, well, uh, they're an indigenous people that uh, have lived in this part of Scandinavia for um, millennia, it's documented. They found artifacts on the landscape. And um, depending on where you are in the landscape, part of their traditional way of life has been reindeer herding.
0: And reindeer herding because People's association. You know, it's interesting. Maybe <clears throat> this is the the Brooklyn kid in me, for whom the idea of rain, reindeer herding seems as alien and as far away and as sort of romantically far, you know, foreign locale as can be. But reindeer are a way of life, I gather, in northern Scandinavia and among the Sami.
1: Yeah, for for a lot of people, um, it is not for everyone. But um, for the people who work in it, it's really significant, um, and it's kind of a life totality, is what I've been told.
0: So how did you how did you learn about the Sami, and how did you learn about this part of the world? How did you, I guess, what I'm what I'm really asking is, how did it come to be that you said this is the place I need to go to?
1: Yeah. No. Um. I I was really interested in that contrast between like, oh, okay, we should go take minerals and oil and materials from the north and the fact that there are already people using that land um and so i kind of just i knew i wanted to go to an arctic place that was going to be subject to development and then kind of found myself in a complicated situation (laughs) very naive
0: (laughs) complicated in what way
1: um complicated in the, the history of colonization and uh suppression and you know folks like um, anthropologists and journalists and and companies are are have been complicit. Um, and uh, you know it's a country that's not my country, and I don't know its history intimately, so I had to try to educate myself
0: so and how did you educate yourself? because I should, we should explain that you are you're not a journalist, you're not an anthropologist. you are how would you describe yourself?
1: Uh, I would well, I have a master's in forestry and I currently work in uh, like an educational film capacity. I've done research, kind of done different fieldwork projects. Um, hope that's sufficient. I-,
0: I ask because I think it's important for listeners to hear this go, well, listen, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a storyteller. I did not do this for a living. And yet I have a story to tell. And well, I couldn't do it because there were so many people out there with training in this. But you went, and you came back with a story, and we're really excited to be publishing your story. But you went there and basically had to learn how to do this on the fly, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, as an undergrad, I I tried my hand at writing, but yeah, um, I was operating in a totally new context and uh, had to learn a lot um, less about like folks and writing things and more just about. The context in which I just put myself.
0: So, is that what happened? You just sort of showed up there uninvited one day with, with you know, <laughs> a notebook and a pad maybe, or, um, and a tape recorder and started talking to people?
1: Um, that's not that far off. I, you know, I had contact with a few folks. I met, I had done a, um, story in the area, the, like, a season, a year before, and met someone who had, in passing, just said, you know, you should really come to this area. We have like a great story. And I took that and ran with it.
0: Well, so who was is, who is the person who said this to you? How did it come to be that this happened?
1: Yeah, no, um, I was in a coastal area of Norway for, for that purpose to look at um, this offshore oil landing. It's a new construction. You know, everyone's talking about like. Taking oil from the north, okay, so to do that, you need um, more complicated technologies, you need pipelines, so there was a landing on this part of very part, northern t- part of Norway, and um, it was kind of being hailed as like a boom town, you know, it's like the Wild West of drilling. And someone put me in touch with a reindeer herder um, whose range was gonna be affected, or it was affected by a, a mine operation. And so talking with him, I started getting a sense of of, kind of like the web of really complicated, newsworthy, uh, interesting and like very, you know uh, compelling, emotional um, context in which this development was taking place.:
0: So you show up, and what do you find?
1: I show up and I find that something new is happening, uh, that people in Cauticano, or Guadagano, and please forgive all who hear my slaughtered pronunciation of that, um, are starting to talk against mines. And um, they're talking in multiple contexts. The reindeer herders are talking about it, the academics at the local university college are talking about it, academics who had previously been reindeer herders or were related to reindeer herders. And they were drawing on this protest movement that was happening pretty, like, had happened like two months previously in Sweden. And it kind of just shook up the whole area. And there's this new kind of, like, life and energy and, like, anger, really. Um, And so that was very interesting.
0: So I just want to slow down the steps of this a bit, because what I find interesting, especially in the context of, of what we try to do with the podcast, which is help people tell the stories they need to tell, is you show up there without any real sort of formal training at this, and do you just begin to talk to people?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: And what do you ask? I mean, how, do you, how, did, how did you begin?
1: Yeah, well, I started by, you know, shooting off some emails. I um, connected with someone and talked with them before I went up there um, about who I should talk to. This was an environmental activist. And uh, they suggested some folks. They were incredibly um, helpful. And so, like, God bless the people that talk to you. Um, And so, you know, every time you talk to someone else, they recommend a new name or a new person. Um, And they tell you things. They let you know how little you know, which is helpful.
0: And in the course of doing this, did you, in early on, when you think back to the early interviews that you did, without being conscious of the fact that these were formal interviews, what were the kind of mistakes you made? Not that we ever get perfect at this, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I had i had prepped, um, but not enough. And um, I went in probably with a certain idea of what was happening, and then I realized that at the same time there were all these different phenomena happening, and they all fed into each other, and I guess that was part of the um, interesting situation. You know, the academics, the reindeer herders, um, women uh, demanding more um, attention.
0: Did you find the times at times, interview after interview, where your head is spinning, going, "I just don't get what I'm seeing and hearing here."
1: Yeah. Um, There's a what I observed, and and you know maybe this doesn't wouldn't ring true now, but what I felt when I went there was that folks had a conversational style which wasn't what I was familiar with um fewer words you know uh more concise and so that was my impression and I had to try to listen try to understand a little harder and to try to also know what my place was which was you know a foreigner who just came to this town
0: were they suspicious of you
1: Uh, If they were, you know, they probably had cause to be, because because there's a lot of history there.
0: So a lot of history in terms of what? Uh,
1: In terms of outside people coming in and and writing. Um, So that was something I was really, I was thinking about a lot. Um, And I... And to, to cut to the chase, uh, what I thought, everyone there is telling their own story. And, like, they are they are using social media, they are using the press, they are using art to tell their own story. And they were doing it in this really energetic, amazing way. And so my conclusion was, like, okay, that—that that is the story. I, you know, um, I, I don't get to tell their story. They're telling their story, and I can just try to share that.
0: Ah, that's interesting, because for a lot of journalists— and I'll plead guilty to this. You come in, you listen, and at some point you make up your mind and go, okay, this is the story. And and this and their story, in a sense, becomes your telling of their story. It's not your story, but your telling of their story. Did you find some struggle or tension with that? Like I want to be respectful of them, but I'm do I'm the person telling the story.
1: Yeah. Um, well I was writing about extractive industries, and I realized that the process was kind of extractive in and of itself, you know? You're trying to get words.
0: So let me just go back a half a step. The story is, and this, this, forgive me, this is the editor of me, the story is, for thousands of years, the Sami people have been in this northern part of, of Scandinavia, herding reindeer. And it's not so much one day along comes the mining company. This had been building for a time, and and. As in your story, you say that this came with the support of the Swedish and Norwegian governments that really saw mining in this part of the world as a way to enrich their countries and create jobs. I mean, we'll understand the logic of this. It wasn't just, oh, let's mess up the Sami people and their reindeer herds. There was a real logic to this, that business development was going to bring jobs, it was going to boost the economy, that everybody would benefit by it. And the Sami go, no.
1: Yes, some some do.
0: Right, some do, but some go. What?
1: Some some go. Well, maybe we can use this to empower ourselves.
0: I mean, in other words, when you say empower ourselves, meaning
1: literally, we, could, we
0: can get jobs here.
1: Jobs, or or literally, to take positions on on boards that put you in positions of power.
0: And so it wasn't. Among the Sami, it wasn't this sort of like us against them. We're all united against the minds. Let's stop the minds and that sort of thing. It was a much more complicated dance between the past and present and what the future could bring. Is that is that putting it too simply?
1: That's accurate. Um, at least that was my perception of it, you know. Uh, and the balance of those kind of sides or forces changed.
0: So in the in the course, of your, how much time did you spend there with them?
1: Yeah, uh, I was in Cano for weeks to months. Uh, I was there for two trips, yeah.
0: I should ask also, language. Did you, I mean, how did you do, I mean, it's sort of one of those practical things that people are going, I wonder what language I speak, and if I could do that story too, but how did you do it in terms of language?
1: Yeah, so the language that, a lot of folks in Kautokeino speak is uh, Sami, but they also speak Norwegian and they also speak English. Uh, so, you know, I'm the
0: journalist, the journalist James, please speak my language, right?
1: <laughs> I know, so I had it. I had it pretty easy. I pretty had it set up really nice in terms of language.
0: And how did you feel about it at first? How hard was it at first with the actual writing it down?
1: Yeah, um, some was easy uh others were hard um because what was easy
0: I, because that's what people always wanted what was the easy part that could do that first uh, what was easy
1: um, well that's probably personal uh, It was easy for me to write about like the ecological context um and like things that took place on the land
0: you know it's interesting i should interrupt for a second because when i remember when your first story first came in over the transom I remember Sissy Falagant, our wonderful editor who you worked with, and had said, you should really look at this story. And what really caught me up was a physical description of what it looked like there. I mean, you basically had me hooked there. I could see where you know there was going to be interesting editing work to do and sort of rethinking parts of it. But nonetheless, there were a couple of scenes. It was this scene of what, in the beginning, the very beginning of the first draft that you sent to us, was what snow looked like, how, how you know, um, moss growing on trees. And also, early on, and it's still in the piece I'm really happy about, is a scene of the actual the reindeer being herded into, a, I guess, a corral. Was that part, were those parts hard to write? Because they're really, you just nailed it with those.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. And no, that was a joy to write. That was easy.
0: It, you know, what's so interesting you should say that, because it showed. It really... When you say, why was it a joy to write? I love when writers say this. Why was it a joy?
1: Yeah, uh, because it's fascinating and beautiful, and because you want to you pin it down and you want to share it.
0: Let me ask you one final question that I should let you go, which is, now that you've done, sorry, you now that you've done journalism, do you want to do it again?
1: Yeah. The joy of writing about things and is and like the the fact that you folks now have some sort of knowledge of that situation is amazing um so yes
0: so yes because it succeed you succeeded you 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 went there kind of not really knowing what you're doing you stuck around you came back with the story you told the story and now the story is going to be there for people is now available for people to read And you did it. So for some, that would be an addictive thing. Like, I want to do that again. (laughs) So do you want to do it again? Or is it like, never again? That was too hard.
1: Hell yeah, I'd do it
0: again. Okay, that's what we wanted to hear. Thanks for listening. This has been the Delacorte Review Podcast. Our producer is Katie Ferguson. Our editor is Mike Hoyt, senior editor, Sissy Falagant, associate editor, Natasha Rodriguez. And we'd be hopeless and helpless without our two wonderful interns, Andrew Wang and Maddie Natelli. Thanks a lot.